Mr. Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial, and we come on the air with uh, some news filtering out involving the Washington Commanders. That uh, it does appear um, that uh, the Washington Commanders being up for sale Chris Brockman, is there uh, a report that's out there right now? Yeah, according to Sportico, uh, a few minutes ago, Dan Snyder has reached an agreement in principle to sell the Commanders for $6 billion to the group led by Philadelphia 76ers co-owner Josh Harris. Uh, That group also includes Mitchell Rails, a local D.C. businessman, and Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. And Sportico is a website um, about the business of sports. $6 $6 billion deal that Dan Snyder has agreed, and obviously the NFL needs to approve it. But for all the Washington commanders, football team, and back-in-the-day Redskins fans, this is a day that you have been waiting for for a very long time, that Dan Snyder agrees to sell the team. I mean, they literally might throw a parade. And there will be an altar, and I imagine NFL owners will rush to it. Not just because of what you would assume their relationship is with Dan Snyder and they to him, but uh, one of their franchises sells for $6 billion sold. And it's not just any uh, turnip trucked in individuals, <laughs> to say the least. So, wow. Man. Ding dong. Dan Snyder is selling the team. I know my boy Spider, who's a Washington fan, is a overjoyed right now. Well, and there's and so listening. much that there's so much that would come from that. One would think of uh, the deal that um the Washington football team slash commanders have been trying to make to move back from suburban Virginia into Washington DC again that a lot of people just didn't want to make a deal with Dan Snyder. This is re- reportedly, allegedly. Uh maybe they'll 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 enjoy talking to a different voice. And talk about huge news out of the Mid-Atlantic area. Uh, This happens just as Odell Beckham Jr. is introduced as a new Baltimore Raven. That press conference is going down as we speak. So we'll turn around those sound bites as fast as we can. Joining us here now to talk about this and so many other items is one of our favorites. Good friend of the program from Sports Illustrated, Albert Breer, back on. How are you doing, Albert? I guess my timing's impeccable yeah, here, right? <laughs> absolutely. I'll give you the floor on the uh, Washington Commander's yeah. sale and everything surrounding it. Well, I, I would say, um, I think it was Brockman there that said that uh, this is worthy of a parade. I think it is. Um, you know, this guy is very well respected in NFL circles. He was actually previously vetted. He was a finalist for the Broncos um, and obviously didn't wind up winning in that case, but um, somebody I think like NFL owners wanted as part of their club. He's been an owner before. He's a co-owner of the Sixers, owner of the Devils. So he's got experience and um, has sort of swam in these waters uh, for some time now. And, uh, you know, I think you're right too, Rich, to mention the possibility that this could open the door for the team itself to play its games in D.C. again. Um, you know, I know that RFK site has been one that's been one of much consternation, you know, over the over the last, you know, 10 years or so and whether or not that would open up again for a football stadium. Um, you know, my understanding is, like, that if the, the sale went through, that it probably would open up again. And so this could lead to the commanders moving back into the District of Columbia, 
I think it changes the dynamic of who the team is. This could lead to a, a Super Bowl eventually being played in D.C. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm sure some of your listeners are too young to remember it, but I, I know when I was growing up, Rich, like, I mean, the Redskins weren't quite the, the Yankees, right? But they were maybe the next level down. Like, they were, like, that level, you know, of, of brand name, like, uh, you know, like kind of flagship franchise of their sport. You know what I mean? Like winning Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks when I was a kid. Um, you know, I just, I, like, I think that this is a, a home run for, for, for the fans of the District of Columbia. I think this is the right owner. Um, he's native to the area. He went to, I think he's from uh, Chevy Chase, Maryland, went mm. to high school in D.C. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a a game changer for what was one of the, um, one of the, well, it was one of the flagship franchises in the league 25 years ago. And I think the price is interesting too, because some of the concern from other owners was that Snyder wasn't going to sell because he, because he wasn't going to be able to get his number. And his number initially was $7 billion. Um, I, you know, my understanding was that it recently got lowered to six and a half billion. Um, that he's doing this for six billion, um, I think is, um, gotta be a, you know, create a huge sigh of relief for the other owners because, I mean, one thing about Josh Harris, he wasn't going to do a bad deal, you know, and so he wasn't going to overreach. And you know, I think that this is probably the right price for the team. Well, and, and, and you're you're not wrong in terms of what what this franchise once was. I mean, in the Gibbs era and winning three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. And uh, I went to a, a game at the old RFK, a, a Cowboys Redskins game, and yeah. I, I I sat two rows from. Uh, the front, uh, you know, two rows in on the upper level of RFK over an end zone. You want to talk about an old stadium. I truly did feel it shake. Um, If there was a a ball thrown into the end zone, I had to get up and lean over the edge to see it because it was overhanging the end zone. Uh, Fans were, this is how how long ago it was, fans were hanging Danny White in effigy in the parking lot because they hated the Cowboys so damn much. Uh, But then I went to FedEx Field uh, and saw a game from the same seats because uh, it was a, a season ticket holder, and yep. two rows from the the front of the top uh, bowl of the stadium, I felt like I was watching the game from Delaware, and and fans there just I don't believe have ever enjoyed the experience of going to the new stadium and being in the new stadium um, that looked like the world's largest air bill, quite frankly, when you approached it. And, I was gonna go erector set, but that that works too. Right, and then and then and then um, of course the owner um, and the way he conducted himself locally and the radio stations that he owned and the way that they would uh, handle anybody who dissented and and things of that nature. Um, and then of course the the team kind of falls off from its winning ways. This is going to be monumental. I think fans are are going to yeah. celebrate like a like like the house just landed with Dorothy in it. You know what I mean? And they so. should. They should. And like look, like I, I I don't think it's hyperbole to say that I mean, Dan Snyder may have done more damage to that franchise than any single person has done to any franchise in modern American sports history. I mean, I Wow, you got I, Donald I, Sterling I, you're talking woo. about. Be careful. I mean, yeah. you know. I mean, but the Clippers were but the but, but what were the Clippers before he got there? You know what I mean? Like, I this was, again, like, this was a, uh, like, I guess you get your rarefied air of, like, the Celtics and the Yankees and the Canadians and the Lakers, and they, they weren't they weren't quite that. But, like, again, like, the next, like, I would say maybe, like, the level of, like, the Dodgers, right? Like, that level. Like, I, you know, it's just, I, I you know, like, I, I, this, where this franchise was, 
we've got a full generation now. I mean, kids now don't understand that. Don't don't know what this franchise was. You know, when he bought them in, in 1999, and, um, what they had been, and um, you know, I think that there are a lot of people in the NFL that believe that's what they can be again. There's an important market. That was a regional team too. I mean, like that was. You had fans in Virginia, North Carolina, and Tennessee, and obviously things have changed. There are teams in those areas now. Yes, but this is a powerful, powerful brand, and um, you know I think the owners really wanted to have somebody there who could have a chance to revive the re- re- revive that brand, and I think they believe that Josh Harris is the guy um, to do it. And you know uh, they were comfortable with you know him buying if the if the Waltons hadn't come along, I. I think the other owners would have been very comfortable with, with uh, Josh Harris buying the Broncos last year. Um, so I think they got to be overjoyed that not only do they have somebody like that, but a guy who's an area native, you know, and has that sort of investment, um, you know, just from an emotional standpoint to the area uh, coming in. Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated here on the Rich Eisen Show. Okay, give me your latest reporting on Rodgers, Jets, Packers. What do you got for me? Sure, sure. I mean, like, so I, I, you know, we've talked about this. Like, I, I, I stand by like what I've said. Like, I think this thing is on the doorstep, um, and you know, whether it gets done tomorrow or the draft, I think is sort of up to Mark Murphy and and um, and Woody Johnson. I know it's weird to bring up those names, but I do think like the general managers and the the coaches are at a point now where they've sort of worked this, and it's going to come down to optics in a certain way. Um, you know, I. I think the, the the second round pick this year. I think that there's some level of agreement in that, and then, you know, I think there's going to be um, a high pick in 2024. And the question is going to be like, what sort of conditions do you have on that? How's that pick dressed up? You know, and the reason why optics are important here. I mean, I think after what Denver went through last year with Russell Wilson, the Jets want some protection against that happening, right? And the Packers want to, you know, be able to say like, we got good value for a guy who might be the best player in the history of our franchise or is certainly up there um, especially after you know what happened with Brett Favre where um, although they came out of it okay there was some egg on their face that he wound up with the Vikings you know so I think you know for two guys and Mark Murphy and Woody Johnson who are sort of the long-term stewards of these teams and who were involved with the, in the Favre trade 15 years ago um, a lot of this is going to boil down to how do we come out of this, you know, at being able to claim to our fans, we got to win here and, um, and come out of it in a place where we're going to be in a good shape, not just for the next couple of years, but for the next five or 10 years. Um, and so, you know, again, like what he wants to protect, I think against that being the fifth pick or the 10th pick overall, if Rogers were to get hurt or there was some sort of downturn in his play, and I think Murphy wants to come out of this, you know, being able to say like, we got full value, for you know, a player who's you know <laughs> going to be a pro football hall. Of fame. But I mean, let's let's just brass tax it, and I'm sure they are as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the we're not talking about Rogers at age, you know, 29. We're talking about him at age yeah. 39, and we're not talking about you know Rogers um, is 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 kind of tugging uh, at his own heartstrings about staying put. He's announced his intention to leave, and he also said he was 90 percent retired. Um, and before he went into his uh, retreat, where where he where he spent some time with his thoughts about retiring and not and what yeah. have you, so if you're the Jets, you hear all this and you're like, really, a, a one no matter what he does this year for sure. I mean, and right. and so and the Packers can push back and say, yeah, you know, uh, he is 
39 and he did do this and that the other thing but he's still Aaron freaking Rodgers and he's a hell of a lot better than Zach Wilson how come how can they not come back maybe that's why it is it is yeah, on the one inch line because it, it just look it just it's let's just do it figure it out figure out what what it is and and I yeah. think in your reporting in Sports Illustrated you you kind of threw out there what it could be uh, I'll give you the yeah. floor on that Albert. Yeah, so like I think part of it, and you know, part of the concern for the Jets too is that they, that, they, that they only get him for a single year. Now I think right. they think they're going to get him for two, but I mean we don't know how Rogers is going to feel a year from now. Of course not. You know, so the answer there would be do you attach a conditional twenty-five pick to it? You know, like so, you know, if the Jets, if the if if say he plays two years, then like if he plays or if he plays only one year, well then there's like some sort of give back, you know, from the Packers to the Jets to protect them, you know, like, so like say you say, okay, like we're going to give you a conditional one next year. And then like, if he only plays one year, well then the Packers send the Jets something in 25, like there are creative ways to game this, you know? And I think that's sort of, you know, where they've been. And I think that that, um, like, and honestly, like one of the things I brought up with you was like how important the relationships are here. Right. Well, I mean, the general managers, I think have worked really hard at this, um, you know, and, and Brian Gutekunst and Joe Douglas have tried to be very creative about it. Um, and I think that they're like, I mean, honestly, like I think they're probably close to, you know, where they could say, okay, like, you know, we're comfortable with X, Y, and Z, like, let's pick a scenario here. Um, you know, I think that, 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 that it really comes down to, you know, figuring out like a creative way to make this work for everybody. And I'm with you. Like, I think that, 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 that should be available to everybody here. Unfortunately, sometimes it just, it takes deadlines to get these things done. So the, the next two checkpoints, one is Monday, um, which, you know, like, look, it would be great for the Jets and it would be great for the Packers to be able to go into Monday and say, here's, you know, some finality to the whole thing, right? Like they both open their off season programs, Robert Sala be in front of an auditorium with his players. Matt LaFleur, same thing with his players in Green Bay. And it would be great for Matt LaFleur to be able to address that room with Jordan Love as the quarterback. And it would be great for uh, Robert Sala to address his room with Aaron Rodgers in the fold. Um, so that's the first you know, checkpoint. You get past that checkpoint, then the next checkpoint is the draft. And I think that's the real tension point because um, at that point, if you're talking about a pick this year, it has to happen then. Um, so like, I would say those are the two, like, so, so-called deadlines. I think one is a soft deadline. That would be Monday. And then, you know, I think Thursday is a, little, a week or two weeks from today, which is the first night of the draft would be a little bit harder of a deadline. Albert Bree here on the Rich Eisen show. Odell's being introduced as we speak. And he said he didn't get any assurances from Lamar that Lamar's mm-hmm. coming. He said, life's uncertain. Um, and you didn't get any in- assurance for anything. What do, what do you, what do you think? I think um, it can't hurt. Um, you know, I, the, the Lamar thing's been so complicated and unpredictable. It's hard to talk in absolutes on that. Um, but I, you know, I do think like if you're the Ravens, like this is an all branch. You know what I mean? Like, and this is a look Lamar, you know, we're not starting over with a new quarterback. We're not rebuilding here. We're not, we're not, you know, trying to, you know, build up our draft capital. We're in it for right now. Um, because I, I, I honestly think looking at this deal, this isn't a deal that they, that the Ravens would normally do. I mean, one year for 15 million with a lot of that money pushed off into the future. Um, it's very much like the sort of move that the bucks made the last three years to help Tom Brady, you know, and so, um, so I think it's an olive branch, and I think it should help. 
And I think in the end, if they get Lamar signed, um, then, you know, like I think it'll all have been worth it. Um, but I do think it's like a real piece of evidence that the Ravens are very serious about getting a deal done with Lamar and they hope this can help. And, you know, by the way, it does address a pretty big need for them too. Like after Rashad yeah. Bateman got hurt last year, they had almost nothing at receiver. So the idea that you could roll Bateman, you know, healthy again with Beckham out there, um, Got to be a pretty tantalizing thought after what Lamar, you know, had out there with him last year. Yeah, and, and note to the rest of the wide receivers on planet Earth, the Ravens aren't some Bermuda Triangle that's to be avoided. Right. You know, like here's Odell saying, "I will choose them," and obviously the money matters for that. He also said Steve Bashotti texted him and they spoke, and he fired Odell up, and that's why he's here in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, but what well, what here's are the way I look at it? I mean, here's the way I look at it, right? right? Like, do you guys remember? Um, do you remember how on eBay, like when you used to go on the auction sites, like eBay, right? right? Like you could see there'd be something up there, and then I think there was like a button that said "Buy Now." Yes. You know what I mean? Like, where right if you want to like kind of like skip the bidding process, there's a yeah. price like what. I feel like that's sort of what the Ravens yeah. did here. You know, they jammed the buy now button to prevent him from going and visiting the chat. Right, yeah, exactly. They they hit the purple buy now button. But but what are Lamar's options? I mean, it does appear Chris Ballard uh, confirmed they kicked the tires uh, on Lamar, um, and they also um, have the fourth overall pick in the draft. I guess they want to see what that's all about. I had. Arthur Smith on the program, and he said, yeah, sure. I mean, we, we, we talk about everything that can improve the team, yeah. but they decided, obviously, Desmond Ritter and si- play, playing free agency the way that they did on, with such a, yep. a, a spending spree on their own and others that don't play quarterback was the way to go. I mean, what do you think Lamar's market does look like two weeks before the draft and, 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 and then thereafter, depending on the way the draft goes? I would say um... – you know, I, I would say, like, teams are going to keep their cards close to the vest. Um, I think there's more disagreement on the quarterback class than people realize. Um, so, What do you mean by that? You know, I, what do you mean well, by that? I just, I, I just mean it's like, I mean, I think we all look at it and say, like, whoa, four quarterbacks in the top ten. Do you really think teams look at it that way? Like, or, like, for the Colts or for one of the, you know, are there teams in the top ten that are looking at it and saying, like, where it's like, all right, we like two of these guys, but then the other two we're not as sure about. We don't really value as a fourth overall pick. So maybe if one of them falls to us, then, like, yeah, we'll do that. You know, but otherwise, like, we would rather have Will Anderson there. You know what I mean? Like, that sort of logic, because, um, you know, there's, it's great to get a quarterback in the first round, in the top ten. You know what I mean? Like, but there's nothing more disastrous than getting one wrong there. That gets everybody fired, you know? So... Um, that's why I think that the draft is a meaningful checkpoint in this one too, because, um, you know, it's going to reveal, you know, what teams think of the quarterback class. And again, I think that some of that opinion is split. And then also like if you're the Colts and you and I've been through this scenario before, like what if you take Will Anderson fourth overall and then you turn around and now you're talking about giving up picks in 24 and 25 for Lamar, which you think maybe are in the twenties, um, because you're going to be a better team with Lamar rather than giving up the fourth overall pick. Like, but, there's some logic to that, too. So right, but, like once we, but let me yeah. just jump in here, um, you know, with the limited time we have left, because there's a tuple, couple things. Signing Odell, don't you think the Ravens are just going to match whatever the hell anybody does anyway? They, like, uh, that, that yeah. that's the whole point with, with, that's, with that's, what... That's, the, that's, the, the whole the whole notion about not signing Lamar to an offer sheet had three different prongs to it. One, 
too much draft capital. Two, too much capital, period. And three, why do the work for the Ravens? That right. third option is now through the roof that they signed it's Odell. Kind of scary. Right? Yeah, I mean, like, and that's the thing. is like, I think that's the fear of all these teams. It's like, right. so, are, we ju- are, we ju- are we just writing the contract for the Ravens, you know? And that's where I think you have to put your cap people to work and, like, you hope you can write something. Just obviously you can't do the old, like, Steve Hutchins. Poison so, like, pill. What was it? <laughs> what, you remember that? What was it? Like, if he plays, like, eight games west of the Mississippi or something like that, <laughs> like, then, he, then, then all his money's guaranteed. It was something like that. Right. Um, you can't do that anymore. But, like, there are creative ways where you can make it difficult for the Ravens to match. But, yeah, that would certainly be the rest. Okay. And so are you echoing, you say that there's more disagreement on the top quarterbacks in the draft than people think. Are you echoing the sentiments of our buddy Schefter saying, he's not sold the Texans are are going to choose I'm a quarterback not. second yeah I'm not I'm not okay. I, I think like if you like just look at the history of two guys okay um and I think it's still a discussion point for them and I think if Bryce were to fall to two like I think they probably would take him um I think it's still a discussion point if Bryce is gone what they're going to do and I think that could be Will Anderson you know like I just I um you know like I, I you know it's been called to my attention like you look at D'Amico right like and look at Nick Casario the two guys who are making decisions Nick Casario has been in the NFL for 23 years. He's never taken a quarterback or been part of a team that took a quarterback higher than 62nd overall. Hmm. That was Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And then you look at D'Amico's history. D'Amico was part of a team that drafted a quarterback third overall and traded three first-round picks for him. That was Trey Lance. And the Niners got to three NFC championship games with quarterbacks not named Trey Lance, right? And with two different quarterbacks not named Trey Lance. Right. So, like, you look at that history, and then, like, well, D'Amico was a part of a team that had the second pick four years ago. They took Nick Bosa. That turned out pretty well. You know what I mean? Like, so you start to put the pieces together, and ownership's going to have a say in this, and I'm sure ownership is gung-ho for, on the quarterbacks and all the rest of that, you know? I just think it's a complicated thing if you're not as sure, and so I don't think they're as sure what they're going to do yet. Um, and like, I'm not sure that it's going to be a quarterback at second overall. I could very easily see that being Tyree Wilson or Will. So you are echoing Schefter's sentiments that they, yeah. that they may not, um, yeah, choose a quarterback. I wrote this on Monday too. Like I don't, I, I felt that way for a little while. Like I just, <sighs> I, I had it in my head. I had it in my head that it was going to be Bryce and CJ one, two, one or the other. I, that was probably about a month ago. I felt that way. I don't feel that way. Anymore. So, so then, like, I'm, I'm a little, so let me just last one for you then. Because uh, it does tie yep. into um, uh, your first item uh, on your uh, on your column from this week yep. involving the Patriots. What would what would the Texans' plan be at quarterback then if they don't choose whoever the Panthers uh, leave for them to choose first? Um, and and <laughs> could it could it, uh, could it possibly? Is it Davis Mills? Like again, it might could, be. I mean, or, like, or what about Mac been, Jones? What about Mac Jones? If the Patriots are so maybe, soured on him, you know, maybe maybe you take a swing there. Maybe you wait till maybe they're a team that is willing to wait till twenty twenty four. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Huh. That's the that's the question. I mean, like Drake May and, and 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 Caleb Williams next year, and then you know you have two first round picks again next year for the Texans. You know, you get Cleveland's pick again next year. Um, you know, I think certainly think all those things are, are things you think about. Maybe maybe you like Anthony Richardson, but you like him at twelve and not at two. You know what I mean? Like there are different ways to look at this creatively and um you know, I certainly think D'Amico coming in is gonna have you know, he's gonna have some power over this. And um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what his influence is on it too. Because again, like he's coming from San Francisco. 
They got to an NFC title game with Brock Purdy at quarterback. I don't think you can discount his experience having gone through that. By the way, mm. his offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, was there too. Albert, thanks again. Terrific stuff, as always, and food for thought for, for the rest of the program for me to chew on. Thanks. <laughs> You're the best. We'll chat soon. All right. Thanks, Rich. As always, Albert Breer, so giving of his time to this show. At Albert Breer. Check him out. That's him. And, and I'm telling you that you're breadcrumbs, baby. Whoa. All right. I want to let's take a break. I want to hit those breadcrumbs on what the Texans are going to do. Wow. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial. Odell Beckham Jr.'s press conference is over. We've got Dan Campbell of the Lions. Hour three. Yeah. Two weeks <laughs> before the draft, baby. Great. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. All right, let's let's bite on it. That's Schefter saying, I'm not sold that the Texans are going to draft a quarterback second overall, and Breer is, like, seconding that emotion. Two weeks before the draft, this whole narrative of Young and Stroud, 1-2, and then the Cardinals are going to trade out of the third spot, and it's going to be Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis is going to be there, and someone's going to push that up the draft board. By the way, Mel Kuyper Jr. has Will Levis second on his draft board above Stroud and Richardson, which I haven't seen anywhere else either. And this is, again, who's evaluating who and how? And fascinating that there's two 49er guys in the current offensive coordinator and the new head coach of the Texans who saw a quarterback drafted that high not even factor into a program and its success. But 
the Texans, as we all know, don't have a 49ers roster or the ability to go to a championship game now, even with the quarterback that they might draft. And Nick Casario never drafted a quarter, was part of the Patriots organization between, you know, uh, in, in those years between Bledsoe and Mac Jones. So the highest they drafted a quarterback was Garoppolo. Put it they, all together, they and they draft a lot of quarterbacks. Put it all together, and they do have the twelfth overall pick. Now the whole business that from from uh, Cleveland because of the Deshaun Watson trade, and they have one next year too. And the whole business of hey, people have capital next year; they can trade up to go get Caleb Williams or Drake May. What if the first two teams on the clock are quarterback needy, which usually teams first and second on the clock are? Doesn't matter. You can have draft choices from here to kingdom come, and nobody's going to trade those slots away. Highly well-earned slots, one would say, due to 18 weeks of very difficult sledding for fans and front office and coaching staff alike. So, I I think he's not, he and Schefter are onto something here. Smelling it. And Schefter thinks it's Bryce Young going first, so. So Stroud drops? Who's going to three to get Stroud? Well, I mean, maybe nobody. I don't know. Does Indianapolis just hold and they get wound up with they wind up with Stroud wow. and off they go? Could you imagine? I would be pretty surprised at that. And then Seattle sits there and has an opportunity to take Anthony Richardson and do they do that? And then there's Detroit at six. What the hell do they do? But Will Anderson would be the guy that Arizona would stick and stay with, one would think, right? Where does Jalen Carter rank in people's minds? If the Texans don't take a quarterback at two, that changes the whole dynamic of this whole shooting match. Yep. And where do people fall? That, honestly, is not something I have given much thought to. Until Schefter made me think, oh, wait a minute. And like I told you, Schefter's been right with the Texans for a long time. But then you think about these other teams, Rich. You think at Las Vegas at seven, do they move up? Atlanta, do they move up? Tennessee, we've been seeing a lot of people talking about in their mock drafts. They move up from 11 to three to take somebody. Anthony Richardson's gone from... Not on people's radar screens because of the way Florida finished. To on everyone's radar screen because of the way he did at the Combine. The way he performed at the Combine. To the conversation, could he be first overall? To now he'll drop because people don't even evaluate the quarterback group in the same way that we do. And um, the kids taken in the top five in the draft last several years with the outside, uh, what, with, the, with the exception of Trevor Lawrence, um, are scaring people off. And they don't want to have that problem. And Richardson could drop. That wasn't the narrative one week ago today. Nope. When we were three weeks from the draft. And that is now a distinct possibility two weeks from the draft, which means we have to need, we, we got to get more evaluators on here. <laughs> 844 Rich is the number to dial. Kevin in Rochester, New York. Let's take your phone call. What's up, Kevin? 
Hey, Rich. Wasn't sure if I'd actually get through. Glad you did. You guys. Look at you. I'm a huge fan. Look at us. Uh, first time caller. And uh, also, I've only been following football for about a year. So the nuances are not uh, clear to me yet. But I found you guys a show mid this season. Absolutely love what you guys are doing. Thank you, sir. Awesome. And welcome. Welcome to this program and the world of the National Football League and its power and pageantry. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, my question for you. Um, let's live in this hypothetical for a moment. Let's say the the, uh, the Packers, they really dig their heels in, and Rodgers does not go to the Jets. Okay. In that world, and I know you're going to say that's not going to happen. No, no, no. <laughs> but if it does, uh, the Jets are such a win-now team. Yes. That what what do you do? Where is Mac Jones on the table? Is Lamar still out there? You know, what do you, what do you think? Well, Lamar would still be out there. That is a fact. That if they get through the draft and they use all their draft choices – and the Packers' response was so significantly um, uh, insufficient that they go through the draft and use all their draft choices, and then Lamar would be an option for them in May, and that would be something that they would use to the Packers prior to the draft to say, what gives, right? That is possible. Since you are new to the NFL, I will uh, tell you this, and you may already know this, but when you say, what about Mac Jones with the Jets? Um there, there's a very, very warm place uh, that exists. One would think, and some people think it does exist, and it, it may exist in your mind as just a, a concept, uh, but there's a very, very warm place that's a, a four-letter word that would have to freeze over for that trade to happen between the Jets and the Patriots. Cabo? Okay. Uh, Cabo. Cabo would have to freeze over, yes, uh, and a lot of tequila shots would have to happen. Uh, and that place would have to freeze over for the Jets and the Patriots to strike such a deal. Yeah. Oh, true. I mean, I'm a Bills fan. So, okay, so then you know. know. Then you know. Then I, you know. I, I figured. I was just thinking, you know, who knows if Belichick is really having it out there with, uh, with yeah. Mac, then maybe it's an opportunity. But yeah, I guess uh, that, that location would have to freeze over. It would right? indeed, sir. And thanks for the call. And he's from Rochester, New York. He knows about places freezing over. So. Correct. Right. It's cold there. It's cold there. <laughs> Shout out to all the listeners in Schenectady. Yes. I know they're out there. Finger Lakes. The finger, uh, beautiful part of the country. Beautiful. Cornell University. I went there for uh, summer college. Ithaca is gorgeous. It is incredible. What's summer college? Is summer college? Yeah. Like summer school, but it's college during the summer? Yeah. Cornell was open for business. It was like an oh. eight-week program, uh, and I stayed in their, their dorms known as U-Hauls. Um, and I stayed in U-Haul 1. and um, You're still uh, in high school during this? Yes, sir. Okay. Junior of high school, summer of high school. Instead of going, I think I, was, I graduated from summer camp. Um, and so I went to Cornell Summer College. Okay. And I lived in a U-Haul. And behind this U-Haul was uh, an establishment on wheels mm. known okay. as the Hot Truck. And on it, they had a PMP which stood for poor man's pizza. And what it was, was Italian bread of the finest variety. Okay. Uh, onto which was they would- go on top? Say it again? With some prego on top or something? What, they, what, they, what you would do is you have this Italian bread. Mm-hmm. It's a huge loaf of Italian bread. You know. Uh, bread's good. Yeah. More than a foot long. And um, they would slice it open and place red sauce onto it and put cheese on top of that, close it up, put it in the oven and toast the heck out of it. And it was called the poor man's pizza. And I ate that day and night. And then after hours as well. (laughs) And it was inexpensive. And I ate that. I gained probably 15 pounds, 15 to 20 pounds over the summer (laughs) to the point 
where I remember this to this day, I'll tell this story. Wherever Susie is, she's like, I can't believe he's about to tell this story. <laughs> if she's please, hearing it right now. But I, I showed up after the summer college. I went home. I remember exactly where I was. I was on the front porch of my uh, grandma and grandpa's place, my dad's parents. Okay. And Joel Lewis Eisen, may he rest in peace. We had a nice quiet moment looking at uh, East 48th Street in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And um, he turns to me and he goes, how much weight did you gain? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, I don't know, Dad, a lot. And he goes, just looks at me and goes, you're grotesque. <laughs> grotesque. Grotesque was the word he used. I, and I, turned to my dad, I turned to my dad. I'm like, Dad, don't beat around the bush. Just tell me what you're thinking. Did you say, but Dad, it was that's, poor man's pizza. No, I could have told you that's where I took a class on um, Shakespeare <laughs> and writing about Shakespeare. And my professor, whose name escapes me, um, was so dynamic and so interesting and so fascinating to me. And the way that he taught about Shakespeare and taught about writing and taught about how to construct a sentence in a paragraph and a paper opened my mind to the point where I suddenly went from being thoroughly uninterested about writing to that's all I wanted to do. Really? Yes. And it, un it opened up my mind and got me ready for Michigan. And I, were, and I started you know, writing um, for my student newspaper, for the student Michigan Daily. And it, you know, it set me up for, the, for, for life because the, um, the, the first resume tape that I sent out for my TV in the TV world um, did wind up at ESPN. And they were interested in that. And I got a call back from the headhunter saying to me, send us another tape, your best written material, because they're focused on the writing. Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't so interested in writing, I might never have gotten on ESPN's radar screen and then sealed the job with my writing. I could tell you that story about how Cornell Summer College was so crucial in my development to this very day. But instead... Not as interesting. Not as interesting <laughs> as the poor man's pizza, which is amazing. I don't know if the hot truck still exists in, in Ithaca, New York. Um, and my father calling me grotesque. Well, we got to give a shout out to that teacher whose name you don't remember. I wish I, I, wish I remembered it. Without he was that, amazing. Without that teacher, you don't go on that path. And we're not sitting Fact. here as back to back and uh, nominated. Uh, so I guess if you want to extrapolate it out to that degree. Yes. I do. If extrapolate means go back to that point, then you yeah, don't extrapolate. No, no. We we'll just keep pulling on that string. However, however, it also allows me to have a show like this on a day like this and throw to break to promise when we come back the top five things we should be shrieking about in the sports world based on the nine-year-old D.R. DeRozan's set of pipes <laughs> that we heard in Toronto last night. Rich, comically or repulsively ugly or distorted. That's what it is. That's what he called you. Uh, Your own father. Thanks to the poor man's pizza <laughs> and my dad's inability to edit his words and thoughts. Staying in the U-Haul is way different. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were 
Network is removed when you buy playoff tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit GameTime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Dan Campbell of the Lions is going to be joining us here shortly. So, the news of the day. I can't believe it. The the sports news of the day was a nine-year-old girl shrieking during the Toronto Raptors' attempts at shoot free throws. (laughs) Who turned out to be the the daughter of one of their star players in DeMar DeRozan. DR DeRozan uh, got out of school and was there last night and um, and screamed, screeched. I mean, screeched. You have it, right? I mean, that is what we, we took it so from the loud. game. That's her screeching. And and the Raptors wound up shooting 50% from the line, and they blew a 19-point lead uh, at home. And, um, and everyone's saying that this young girl affected the final score. And uh, that's, you know, and then there's a conversation of, like, should she have done it? Should she have not? Whatever. <laughs> So it's caused me to just sit here and hit the pause button on that conversation and essentially give you a top five list of the top five things that we should really be shrieking about in sports. Uh, here we go. Uh, you got some sort of music for me, uh, Jay Felly? Here we go. Thank you so much. Uh, top five. Oh, we'll go on NFL Films. Oh, NFL Films? All right, very yeah, good. We play the basketball music. Yeah, play okay? the basketball music. Play the basketball music. Because they're not all have to do with football. And not all basketball. It's just this is sort of like an all-around song, all-around music for this. Number five, even though this is football, we made him change it. Uh, number five, I, 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 I've been shrieking about this. Um, I, I, I don't. Do I sound like Dr. Uh, DeRozan in any way, shape, or form? Sometimes I, I have been shrieking about this. Uh, but uh, number five is the rule that I'm still trying to get changed in in the uh, in the NFL. And. And that's the way I sound whenever anybody fumbles into the end zone and through it, and the defense gets the ball. Is that uh, Freddie Mitchell? Uh, I don't know. That's from back in the day. Yeah, but, uh, but just fumbling through the end zone, man, and, and giving the ball to the defense that was on the one-yard line because they're on their heels and the offense played so well. And just the fact that if the ball, again, rolls out of bounds in front of the top pylon in the field of play on the half-inch yard line, you get to keep the ball. But if, because it goes into the end zone and right behind the pylon and in through the end zone and out, the defense gets the ball. I hate it. <laughs> and um, every single time it happens, I wish DR was at an NFL game. Uh, and that's number five on the list. Number four on the list here of what we should really be shrieking about um, is um, uh, athletes going third person. Um, <laughs> And a, a, per, a, a, a particular um, a particular case, just for, just as if, for instance, Zion Williamson, when asked recently uh, about not playing because of injury again, and when might he play again? And this was his answer to that question. Physically, I'm fine. Now it's just a matter of uh, like when I feel like Zion. Um, you know, I, I know the atmosphere I'd be entering. Uh, based off like the playoff experience, uh, so now it's just a matter of when I feel like Zion. Okay, so you heard you heard a little bit right there, uh, but um, now play it again, and I want to really hear Dr. 
she could be sort of like an alarm that goes off every single time any athlete goes third person. Certainly, if they go third person about themselves, about when they play again and they haven't played for, you know, several weeks. Since January. Okay, hit it. Hit it. Physically, I'm fine. Now it's just a matter of, uh, like, when I feel like Zion. Um, you know, I, I know the atmosphere I'd be entering uh, based off, like, playoff experience. Uh, so now it's just a matter of when I feel like Zion. See what I'm saying? I think it adds more effect to it. I can't believe he did that. I don't know if DR would be available, though, for as many times as uh, star athletes go third person. Yeah, she, or, I mean, or just still, number she's three. She's fourth grade, right? That's true. Yeah. Number three on the top five things in sports to really be shrieking about um, <laughs> is, it certainly drives me nuts. <laughs> when there the is, is, when there's, no, no, not the shriek. Okay. When, when, as, as you know, I've been making my shots, uh, despite the shrieks, making my points here. Um, in baseball, when there's a brushback pitch and a batter rushes the mound and we're on and there's a whole bench clearing brawl in from the bullpen come those relievers just running in just you know 300 it's they're 300 feet away <laughs> and they got to join this thing too just because they're running in or it, what's even worse is when when there's a a threat of a fight and we're just staring at each other. Oh, in comes these guys in their startup zip-up jackets. Oh, running in. It just makes me wanna makes me wanna shriek. It just makes me wanna yell at them. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> we're gonna go fast here. Number two, very simple. Very, very simple. The fact that Aaron Rodgers hasn't been traded to the oh, Jets yet. Okay. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Come on! Sorry, folks. This, this whole business! <laughs> This whole business is going on too long. Get it done with. I man. understand. I said earlier that Woody Johnson should stand his ground and not give up a one no matter what next year because you don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. But this whole thing is making me just want to go a full DR. Sorry, folks. Number one. <laughs> Number one on the list. This is simple. <laughs> when you're up 19 at home in a playoff game. You don't miss 18 free throws just because a nine-year-old is shrieking. How about that? Forget about the fact that she's shrieking during the free throws. The fact that anybody thinks that that actually knocked out a professional basketball team from playoff contention, that makes me want to shriek. <laughs> it did. She won the game. Make your shots. Make your shots. <laughs> Make your shots. There you go. Those are the top five things in sports to history. Sure. Right. Oh. Why not? You know. Oh, didn't see uh, this one coming. Why, why not? Why not? Yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Robin, he's going to do it. Yeah, I know he's going to do gonna it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do gonna... it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Just but, but in a little twist. The idea that a brilliant scientist and physicist <laughs> would not have proper cell service oh, and need to be told by an SNL comedian to change their cell service just makes me want to shriek. That's all. Brilliant. There you go. I went, I went rogue on you there, Chris. Yeah, it did. This makes me want to shriek. All right. Hard not to. That's not, number one is make your shots. Make the shots. There won, you go. She won the game for them. 
Honestly, if the ra- <laughs> uh, if the Bulls go on, hold on. If the Bulls go on and win a championship, she gets she a ring. gets a statue right next to Michael Jordan outside I, United. She's Center. shrieking. She's yelling. Oh, she's yeah. just doing this like ah. It's that picture that we just popped up of her. Yeah. She gets there with a statue her, with her Afro puffs and right just, next to MJ and that that gorgeous jacket she <laughs> had. Really that nice was a jacket. dope one to really one nice jacket. jacket. Also, she activated. should never have to go to school ever again. Nah. Well, the the Bulls already uh, tweeted out, uh, "Hey, uh, hey, the R's teachers, would you excuse, excuse her? her from class on Friday?" Yeah, De- De- Demar said no dice. Of course not. <laughs> she's got to go to school. I mean, she doesn't have to. This is a better, educa- this is a better education yeah, than she's going to get in grade, fourth grade. You guys, you guys are terrible parents. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even, you're not even a parent. 